As we go to a scripture reading this morning, as Linda comes to read, these are two stories that are back-to-back for a reason. And as, we, as you hear these stories, um, see if you can think about why Jesus would have had these stories back-to-back, as unusual as they may be. Today's scripture is from Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 17. He, Jesus, also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I love the voice. I I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of my income. But the tax collector was standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, This man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. People were bringing their infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they sternly ordered them not to do it. But Jesus called to them and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. If you've been to my class at all on Wednesdays, you, you know that I strongly believe that there's intentionality often around the stories and why they're placed the way they are and, and that there are deeper meanings to every single one of them, including these two. And I want to add a third to this. And it is the feeding of the 5,000. And if you remember that story, you remember how it occurred. But um, what I want to do is describe first what, what it was like to be a child back in the day of Jesus. And, and to be a child was to be seen and not heard. And that was absolutely expectation. The children were to be seen but not heard. Every child, once they were old enough to walk, every child had a chore or multiple chores. Every child knew that they felt as though that they, they were expected to do these things for the welfare of the family. And very few, according to many scholars, complained about it. Go figure. Because they knew that their role was so significant to the health and the well-being of their parents. Let's remember that a family back then um, had roles. But lest we believe that somehow the men did not help at home, that would be ridiculous. For the men were in charge of the spiritual education of the children. They were also in charge of mentoring the children into some specific chores, particularly the boys. The women also had chores. 
And it was this amazing partnership, and they mentored the young girls in their chores. And theirs was to basically run the household. And if you were to ever ask a man, like I did, uh, someone asked me this morning who was the boss, guess where they would point every single time? Let me just tell you, it wasn't the man. <laughs> Lee just crossed her arms. <laughs> it was the woman. And as they studied the heritage of, of Jewish custom, the lineage went through the women, not through the men. It's remarkable if we think about that. But the whole point of this is every single child had a role. And every child knew exactly how to, with confidence, participate in that role, knowing again that it was for the welfare of the whole family. It was survival. There is one exception to that rule. And again, you've heard me talk about this before, is the divorce rights of that time were overwhelmingly in favor of the men. If, um, if we were living at that time and Dorothy you know, argued with me, which of course she never does, and I disagreed with her, not only could I send her out the door with just a simple letter of divorce, but if I, if I wasn't overly fond of the children, they could go too. And so the massive amount of homelessness in that time was almost all women and children. And then the role of the children changed. And they became those as the women sought to do whatever they could to bring food and health and anything for their family. The children's role was to go and find food. And often they were the, the best of the beggars. Or what they would do, very common in this time, was follow any crowds around. And what they would do is pick up scraps of food that were left behind by the crowd to go to feed the family. What we have in the story of the feeding of the 5,000 is very similar to what you heard today. It is because of the attitude toward these children, the homeless children, children were not allowed to come and sit at the feet of a rabbi. Ever. Uh, children were not to be brought up to be blessed. That happened at the temple. And so to have any rabbi bless a child was, was absolutely unheard of. And so the disciples saw their role as making sure that no child could come even near Jesus. And, and they were, for lack of a better way to put it, they were Jesus' secret service. They were Jesus' security. And so here we have this story of Jesus saying, let the children come to me on the one hand, but then we have this other story that we have to come to terms with. No young boy would ever, especially no homeless young boy, would ever bring what he had to anyone because his job was to protect that food. And yet what we have is the story of this young boy bringing, what was it, five loaves and... Two fish, tilapia. And, and somehow he must have overheard the disciples talking because, as, again, last Wednesday we heard um, Jesus had crossed uh, the lake, the Sea of Galilee, and others had followed around the other side and 
probably 20 to 30 to 40 miles because they wanted to hear him so desperately, but it was at least 20 to 30 miles to the nearest city. And most of these families didn't have enough food for this. And so the disciples come, particularly Philip comes and says, Jesus, what are we supposed to do with this? We don't have enough food to feed them. Jesus being Jesus said, basically, you figure it out. Matter of fact, you feed them. And again, we don't have what is needed. And suddenly out of the crowd comes this young boy with this immense amount of food that could have fed his family for a week or more. It was a banquet for someone like this. And what does he do? You can just see in his own shy way him walking up very carefully and saying, I have food and I'll share it. Matter of fact, I'll share all that I have. All that I have. And I can't imagine that in that moment tears did not appear in the eyes of Christ. And what happens then is Jesus blesses that food. And he breaks the bread and the fish. And he hands it to the disciples and says, now go feed them. Can you imagine the shock on their faces? And here's the dual miracle that we've talked about before. is, is Whether it was the fact that every time they broke bread that somehow the bread and fish were regenerated so that everyone had enough. As a matter of fact, everybody had so much that it was abundant to the point where they gathered 12 baskets at the end of this meal. Or that as this young boy brought everything he had and gave it, that suddenly those who had any food took it from the secret places where they had it hidden, and if they looked around them and saw that there were others in need of food, including these homeless children, they shared it. In either case, friends, it was a miracle. In either case, it was a miracle. My question then is, as on this preschool Sunday, where did that young boy learn about giving? Someone had to have taught him about giving. He had to have seen it or experienced it somewhere in order to understand it deeply enough to be able to offer it himself. No matter what his economic status was or even at the risk of not being accepted or pushed away. The purpose of Aldersgate Christian Preschool is that. If you were to look at the overall purpose of this school, it is to teach. It is to help children understand the significant role that they play in life. In first service, we had a multitude of kids up here, and they got to be in the praise band for a song and do shakers. And believe me, it was a blast. But then the complaints came from the adults because they wanted shakers too. And (laughs) so we spread out, I mean, probably 40 or 50 of these little egg shakers. And so everybody became a part of the praise band. But it began with the children. But here's the deal. If we're not teaching our children how to be in appropriate relationships, if we're not helping our children understand what love and acceptance may look like. 
who will. And if we're not learning from this preschool on how to get word out about what they offer, then we're missing an incredible opportunity. But even more than that, Aldersgate Christian Preschool is a part of the ministries of Aldersgate United Methodist Church. And what's needed, as much as anything else, is to continue to not build a bridge between upstairs and downstairs, but it is to locate the downward-focusing stairway because we have a multitude of people coming up the stairs in a variety of ways, but all too few who are going down those stairs to read to the children, to relate to the children, to teach the children hobbies or anything that we can offer them. And, and by the way, those children are going to grow up. And if you were here last Sunday, you heard, even Gwen, talk about the stresses of being a youth today in this area, of the overwhelming expectations, the fear of failure, the desire to do the best that they can, the amount of things that they're involved with, like school and Girl Scouts, and sports, and theater, and this, and that. And research will tell us that this area, this area has exponentially higher expectations for our children and youth than any other area in at least the region, if not close to the country. And they're feeling it. And our role is to help them know how to cope with it. Because if we don't, the alternative is not something we want to have happen. So we ask God's blessing not only on the preschool and on this staff and on every child and every family, but we also have a responsibility to be those parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles to help them learn skills, to hear the stories, to watch how we relate to each other and the way that we love each other. Because again, if they don't learn that from us, where are they going to learn it? And finally, we need to help these parents who are also often overwhelmed. Dorothy and I had the privilege, and I'll close with this story. Dorothy and I had the privilege last night of going up to the top of the driveway, and if you turn left, there's a new family who has about four months ago moved into uh, that home. They are a French family. Matter of fact, have just come here from France, and they have um, Jan and his wife, Medill. And, and their two children are, are uh, Tara and Axel. Tara is five, and Axel is 16 months. As soon as Dorothy walked in, boom, Tara was all over her. I, I walked through the grocery store with this woman, and children who have never seen her before in carts, as I've said, reach out to her. There, there's something that's just deeply, dis deeply disturbing about her. You're not either. It's because there's a sense of, of just peace. Now, when I walked in last night, Axel took one look at me at 16 months old and burst into tears and hid behind, behind his father. Uh, that changed later. But, but here's what I'm talking about. is They have just moved to this country. 
they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to find help on what it means to be here. Uh, when, when they found out what Dorothy does for a living, um, they, they talked about that. When they found out what I did for a living, they asked me about that. We talked about the political situation and got a world perspective on this rather than just a local. It, it was one of the most enriching, beautiful times. The wine and cheese helped, but, but French wine and cheese, really good. Here, just give me a second. Um, but, but it was all about relationship. And now suddenly what Dorothy and I have are two new grandchildren in our lives. Oh, my God. But with that comes responsibility. And we talked about some of that and the risks last night as we played with, with both Axel and Tara uh, about the parents. And it's the beauty that we have here. And we have a multitude of families downstairs for whom that story is shared. They don't know what to do. They're looking for community. They are looking for some answers, and more than anything, they're looking for relationships, including relationships for their children. My heavens, you don't need to look any farther than this, than you, than downstairs. And it is one of the richest, most beautiful situations that I have ever seen in ministry. But let's continue to grow in it as some of us now venture down those stairs to read. Or by the way, if you ever want to come to chapel and help or do chapel, let me know. I have props. (laughs) Will you pray with me? Oh God, I just thank you so much. This morning particularly just feel so blessed blessed with with folks who are here, blessed with the children who helped me this morning at both services, blessed by this incredible, gifted group of musicians, blessed by the hearts of this church, and their heart truly is outreach and mission. And we don't have to go very far to see the opportunities right in front of us. So again, I ask your blessing on this ministry of this church. I ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.